You're listening to the Film Cafe Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Anton, and this is 2019's Ready or Not. In this episode, I talk about how a game of hide-and-seek is turned into a ritual sacrifice in a murder house, what this says about relationships, and the expectations of marrying into a new family. I talk about my own dating experiences and what lessons we can all learn from Grace's resilience. Without any further ado, this is Ready or Not. So let's start with the premise. Grace, newly married to Alex, is initiated into the family by playing a game of hide-and-seek on their wedding night. Grace soon learns the horror that she is being hunted for sacrifice to preserve the family fortune in a deal with the devil. The game is on. So I watched this film with my friends Riri and Nico uh, in theaters in 2019. I remember the theater was full. Um... It was just a lot of energy, reacting and laughing and turning to each other throughout the film. Uh, it was a very memorable theater-going experience. Um, the movie just felt like a really fun murder house joyride um, with a lot of tension, a lot of release, and a lot of comedy interspersed throughout the movie um, just to give it some levity and to kind of address the the weirdness and quirkiness of the entire premise. Um but I remember it just being an incredibly fun time at the movies. So the movie itself uh, feels very classy and that they put a lot of effort uh, and care into the filmmaking process. Um, they definitely took um, the filmmaking seriously as far as the cinematography, uh, the scoring corporation, um, and the editing. Um, so it definitely felt like they um, took the movie seriously but again, knowing what it is and also being self-aware with just the uh, the weirdness and the, the premise of the horror behind the movie, right? Um, so using the dialogue um, very effectively um, and witty throughout the movie to give it levity, uh, bringing attention to the absurd nature of hunting someone down for ritual sacrifice, but also playing things very seriously in the sense that um, everything was crafted very meticulously and very well. Um, definitely paying attention to the details um, and giving the movie a sense of polish and reverence to the, the material. Um, again, all of this is done with uh, a certain tongue-in-cheek nature, it was, so it was very much um, self-aware of how ridiculous some of the concepts were. But thinking back to how well the movie was made, it was done with a certain, um, with a certain polish. To me, what I felt like the creators were trying to depict in the film um, was that they were making a commentary uh, through a dark comedy um, about kind of the lifestyle of rich people, right? Uh, rich people selling their soul to the devil for wealth and how hard it is for women to be genuinely accepted into um, that type of family when you're marrying into um, such prestige, such wealth. Uh, and Samara Weaving plays the main character. Uh, her name is Grace. Um, she is the one marrying into uh, the family wealth, marrying Alex. Um, she is the 
lead in this movie and she is the standout she is the hard carry of this movie um she definitely comes into it with uh these bright eyes being very excited for marriage um but also terrified about her in-laws about being accepted um she does slowly gain confidence throughout the movie as she's bloodied and bruised her wedding dress is torn um but all of this knowing uh very slowly and far more apparently when the hunt is on uh that she doesn't need the family uh she doesn't need the family's validation um she is very much in control of um her destiny in this movie and it's really just her ability to navigate uh, all of the the violence and the murder and where she truly finds validation in, in herself. Um, some of the acting things she does in this movie, uh, I definitely want to highlight as far as her, uh, her blood-curdling scream. She definitely has the classic scream queen. And that is something that's introduced very slowly throughout the movie, right? It's not something that they immediately give you as... Um, without 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 warning, it's something that's earned throughout the movie. Um, she plays shock and frantic and terrified exceptionally well. Um, all of this underlined uh, with a determination, right? With a determination to survive being hunted by a family, to survive this very um, insane situation that she found herself in. My favorite scene of hers um, takes place in the shed. So she is hiding away from the family and she's nearing the exit. Um, she finds herself in a shed with goats and she sees Georgie, so one of the, the children, and she thinks she can reach him. She thinks she can ask for help. Georgie pulls out a gun, shoots her in the hand, and she just freaks out with pain and anguish and shock. But she still finds the wherewithal to punch him in the face and knock him out just for her own safety. Um... All of this escalates as a goat comes rushing in and uh, pushes her into a pit of dead bodies, of dead animal bodies. Um, everything is decaying. It's disgusting. Um, she becomes dirtied. She looks at the carcasses. She sees a dead human body. She throws up. But again, underlined with this determination and this will to survive. So she climbs up this raggedy uh, ladder that falls apart as she's climbing up. Uh, with one hand, mind you, after having it gotten shot in the hand, um, she finally reaches the top. The ladder collapses, so she's hanging on with one hand. She reaches over with the bullet hole in her hand, and there is a nail. And goes right through that spot, but... She forces herself and pulls herself up and over the ledge and climbs over. And with just so much, uh, with, with such a terrified look and just a brilliant piece of acting where she is completely at her limits. And yet she finds a way to pull herself up and over the ledge and then remove her hand from the nail. And she just sits on the ground, resigned that she just went through hell and it's not even over. Again, just to emphasize, I feel like Samara Weaving is the standout, that she is the hard carry of this movie. Uh, she is everything. Um, everything from just playful energy to genuine, to a genuine longing to be accepted, to be part of a family. Um, and then as the movie turns, where she's horrified at all of the, the circumstances around the game that she's playing. Um, and then even... Um, even kind of the frantic nature and just being out of breath and trying to compose yourself 
um, with with everything that's happening. Um, she just goes through the range of all of these emotions so brilliantly throughout the movie. Um, definitely the standout. Definitely probably one of the most fun, if not best performances I've seen in quite a long time in movies. My last takeaways uh, before we get into the themes um, is that the movie does a really nice job striking a balance between taking itself seriously as um, this very polished, um, high-class, high-society family um, movie with the absurdity of hunting a person down. Uh, but then also bringing a self-awareness to the fact that, yes, we are hunting someone down for ritual sacrifice, and yet we don't know what happens if we fail to do so. Um, they do sprinkle in uh, hints and clues at other families that may have failed to um, offer a sacrifice and that they, they had died, but truly that they, they don't know, right? Um, so it's it's just a really fun balance of going through all of those different ranges of emotions and um, ability to p- place yourself into uh, a very fantastical horror story, right? Um, and overall, the film is extremely fun. I would say this is what, probably one of the most fun times I've had at the theaters uh, in recent memory. And rewatching it, um, rewatching it for this episode, I, I, I loved it. it. The movie was paced really well. It felt like um, it was going by really uh, quickly. I felt very engaged the entire time. Um, and I was more than happy to uh, revisit the movie uh, in all its little parts and glories as I was preparing for this uh, discussion. So let's jump into the themes. Um, so the first one I want to explore is how the movie uh, tackles relationships, specifically Grace and Alex, and uh, just their dynamic as a fairly new couple, only having been together for less than two years, uh, but still feeling that they um, are there for each other, but then also have um, things to learn about each other as far as communication um, and what each of them is willing to share about the other um, and what that means about really knowing the person that you love. So my favorite scene between them is in the secret hallway um, as they are trying to escape in the very early stages of the hunt before um, Grace is found out, right? And Grace is freaking out. She's in shock. She just saw one of the maids um, get shot in the face. And the, the dialogue goes, uh, you knew what would happen if I pulled the card. So at this point, the relationship dynamic um, is you didn't tell me, right? Or you, you kept a secret from your partner. And there is a feeling of a broken trust, right? Where you no longer feel safe just on the simple act of having information withheld from you. Uh, Alex goes on to say that when you marry into this family, uh, you have to play a game. Um, If you don't, you die. You have to play, right? Um, And then Alex kind of flips it on Grace and says, well, you wanted to get married. And then she goes goes off, of course, because it's one of those uh, relationship tropes, right? Where um, it's never the fault of the person who withheld the piece of information. It's... um, because that person was doing so out of the the kindness of their heart or doing so as a gesture to protect the other person, right? Um, we see it all the time in just various scenarios and relationships where you hold, withhold a piece of information because you feel like you are 
um, granting that person a kindness, granting your partner a kindness, when in fact it was probably best if you just told them uh, the entirety of the story for them to make up their own mind and also to give them a sense of trust, not just trusting them with a piece of information, but trusting how they'll respond to that piece of information and how you can both work through it together. Grace goes on to say, you didn't even tell me. You didn't even talk to me. You could have told me. And then Alex responds, if I told you, you would have left. If I didn't propose, you would have left. I really want to highlight the scene because this is probably my favorite scene in the movie as far as how it depicts relationships, right? Where it's a very relatable scenario where you feel like you're seeing eye to eye with your partner. Um, on a lot of things, but just withholding that one little piece of information. Again, not as drastic and exaggerated as, as it is in this movie, but I'm sure we can all relate to times when a partner or even you have withheld a piece of information to your partner that seemed innocuous, seemed small, and yet it escalates and um, turns into something larger. And I feel like this underscores... Um, kind of another pitfall within the relationship. And it's this idea of possession, right? Where Alex is so uh, blinded by, the, by this idea of not wanting to lose Grace that he takes that agency away from her. Where if the love they share was truly mutual, he would trust her to make the right choice given the information, um, given the information of the game, of this, this family ritual. And... It's very indicative of learning how to navigate and learning that communication style within a relationship within a partner, within most relationships, right? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult and tricky situation to maneuver in real life. And yet it's a lesson that we all learn one way or another, right? Where... Um, a person is not just an object of affection. They're not just someone to protect. They're not someone to possess. Uh, they have agency. Learning that reciprocity in a relationship, giving that person the opportunity to make a choice, shows that you're in a partnership with that person. And this reminded me of my experiences with communication, or at least miscommunication, in my past relationships. Um, many times I thought I was communicating very well, um, when in fact I wasn't. In my head, I had a sense of I was acting um, out of the best interest of us together, when in fact I acted without talking to the other person, without acknowledging, without acknowledging their input, or even giving them the opportunity to, to, to disagree, right? Um, one example I can remember was um, a few years ago in a relationship. Uh, it was during Halloween, and a coworker of mine who may have been interested in me asked me if I wanted to do a partner costume. Um, it wasn't completely a partner costume. It was a similar theme, but it was clearly... My coworker and I were going to be a very similar costume relative to everybody else. Um uh, this was information I did not divulge to the person I was dating at the time. Uh, and they found out later through photos and through um, uh, a conversation that I tried to slide past without, um, without giving too much uh, attention or detail, um, clearly knowing that it may probably have crossed the line. 
And ultimately, I had to uh, face the consequences of, of my actions or my inactions to communicate this to uh, the person I was dating at the time. And I feel like this is a scenario that we often find ourselves in, right? Where it's not necessarily lying per se, but again, it's a lie of omission where you're withholding a very important piece of information, um, again, with good intentions, but you're taking away the agency and the ability for the other person to respond, right? You're taking away um, your ability to communicate and work through a problem with the person that you're involved with, um, involved with romantically. And those are the kind of moments that you want to build bonds with that with that person in order to have a lasting relationship in order to have that longevity um in the movie grace and alex they're madly in love and throughout the majority of the movie you feel like they have each other's back through a very uh peculiar situation as um ritual sacrifice would be um but you do start to see the cracks in the relationship you do start to see kind of the flaws in how they see each other where for Alex, it's it's so much about possession, so much about not wanting to lose her. For Grace, it's about finding stability, finding a place where she can call home, where she can call a family. Both of those things in and of themselves um, need to be resolved or at least found almost independent of each other. Um, it's kind of this idea of Oftentimes people say that they uh, go into a relationship or get married with their better half, right? Uh, when in fact, it's you're, it's far more advantageous to be whole people together and then learning to grow together as opposed to trying to fill in the gaps um, that you're missing. Because it's you know, what, what ultimately happens is it's two people who are missing parts of themselves, who are incomplete and... Only you yourself can have that self-awareness to be a complete person and to be more of a complement as opposed to being a codependent with that person that you're um, in a relationship with, that you decide to be a long-term partner with. So moving on to marriage uh, and this idea of being in a long-term relationship involving joining a family, right? Getting to know your in-laws, uh, the expectations that come along with it. Um, again, Ready or Not is about playing hide-and-seek, playing a game. Um, a game that ultimately leads to ritual sacrifice and the devil and Satan. Um, but I think the metaphor is still very present and very, uh, a very powerful um, lesson for, for the audience. And that lesson is expectation, right? The expectation of playing a game to be accepted into a family, to be accepted into, to be accepted to a group. And the question becomes, what if the game is rigged? Um, what if you're never intended to win the game because you're never going to be good enough and you almost have to sell your soul to meet those expectations? Right, so accepting the traditions of of this family legacy, uh, because that's because that's how it's always been done, or in Grace's case, rejecting those traditions because you know it's wrong. Um, Alex does find his way into these questions throughout the movie, but he does eventually fall to the whims of his family because those family ties were just too strong for him to overcome. Where in Grace's case. She never had a family. 
she has a conversation with Becky um, in the music room. And she lets Becky know, Becky being Alex's mom, that she was a foster child, that she appreciated her foster family um, all her life, but she never really had stability and never had a place to call home. Um, What she really wanted was to have a real permanent family. Um, And she doesn't want to let Alex's family down. Becky wants to preserve her family, right? She wants Alex to come back in the fold. We do find out that Alex leaves the family because of um, all the satanic worship and the sacrifice that he's experienced. Uh, and he says that this is this is not, I know this is wrong. So he leaves the family. Becky, on the other hand, yeah, she's coming from a place of pure evil, but there is a sincerity to wanting to preserve the family unit, to do anything for your family. And that's something somewhat relatable, right? Where, yes, Becky and the family objectively are um, are evil, <laughs> hunting people down. But there is a level of understanding where, yes, the action and the, the act of hunting someone down and murdering someone um, is bad. But the intention is to preserve something that you felt like you have built. And... I can understand that. There is another scene where um, Grace and Becky kind of do see eye to eye, um, where Becky does reach out and talks about her past experiences of marrying into the family, how um, it was very difficult, it was very challenging for her, but she just told her to stand tall and be confident and that none of this matters. The only thing that matters is what Alex thinks. So she understands the process and she understands the struggle and the effort, not just to be accepted, but to be with the one you love and to find and make your own family. And yet Becky is still missing that piece where she just happens to be lucky enough to not pull the card to be sacrificed um, as part of the game of hide and seek. Um, So there is that little bit of... um, there is, there is that missing piece, right, where, um, yes, Becky can speak very highly of trying to be confident and trying to make your own way into a family, but there is also that luck and that privilege of having been chosen to be part of the family. And I guess for me, um, just thinking about how one becomes accepted into a family, right? Whether that's um, through marriage or even just bringing home a significant other um, or even bringing home someone that you like and kind of the expectation and that weight of wanting that person to be accepted. And also for that person to try to navigate the situation as best as possible. Um, It got me to think about times when I had brought over someone I liked or someone um, who I had interested in and my feelings of, my family being a reflection of myself and kind of that worry, but also worry for the other person that not that I, I wanted them to, um, to go out of their way to be accepted, but there is that level of anxiety of um, hoping for the best, right? Hoping that they are charming, that they know how to read the room. They know how to read all of the, um, all the familiar signals that your family gives off to you, when in fact this is their first encounter with with these people, and it's never going to go perfectly in your head. 
you almost have to trust that they'll figure it out. But also trust that your family aren't insane, murderous, occult-worshipping individuals that will hunt them down as well. Um, For me, I remember a time that I uh, brought a date to a family wedding. And I wasn't dating this person at the time, but I was very interested in them. And to me, it was about companionship, wanting someone next to me just for dinner, to hang out with to have a conversation with. Um, But then also, once they came to the reception, that dread of, oh, I brought a date to a wedding. Not that they have to perform, but now there is a level of expectation to mingle and talk to people um, and navigate social settings that are different than theirs, different than their own family. So luckily, uh, we were seated at a table with relative, very distant relatives that I'd seen maybe once or twice in my life that I had not talked to, nor will probably ever talk to again. And yes, the conversation did get a little touchy with um, certain talk of politics and certain talk of very weird and strange things. <laughs> um, mind you, this is close to 10 years ago. Um, so the landscape of, of the world was very different back then, but there was still a a way to maneuver and navigate those situations and even remove yourself, um, when things were uncomfortable. And at first I was very nervous, but I will say the, my date, the person I brought to the wedding, um, did a really nice job of being respectful of other people's opinions And if they did have something to say, saving it and talking to me later, that was a really nice experience of communication and knowing how to read the room, knowing when to hold your opinions, but also knowing that your opinions are valid. Again, this kind of plays into the idea of playing nice. Um, So Grace absolutely does that throughout the first third of the movie where she's still getting to know the family and she still understands this idea of wanting to be accepted. But as the movie progresses, Grace figures out that, oh, no, I'm going to be murdered. And she no longer plays nice. And now it's about survival, right? And I feel like this is very indicative of um, how you figure out how to navigate someone else's family. Where, yes, there's certain levels of niceties that you have upon first encounters. Upon maybe the first handful of times of being around them. But... At a certain point, you have to stick up for yourself. And the way Grace, the way Samara Weaving plays it, um, is a very nice progression where she starts off uh, very kind and humble and welcoming to all of the family quirks. But there is very much a self-awareness of how ridiculous certain things are and kind of the expectation of that family. And she plays it in a way where she wants you to know that she has agency that she has confidence, but that everything is so insane in this movie that you have to be a crazy person to think that any of this is normal. And you feel for her. You genuinely feel for her throughout the entire movie. Like, she is not a damsel in distress, but she's also not this incredibly, this incredibly well-adapted, like, action hero. She's just someone trying to survive, and she does so with such realism um, that... It really paints parallels to reality 
far more than expected. Um, I just love that about the movie where it it is very fantastical. It's a horror movie. the The premise is absurd, but so much of the way that Grace and Alex navigate new marriage and in laws is very much rooted in the real world and how um, relationships stem and grow and hopefully become. Um, not in the sense of uh, the satanic worship, but in the rough patches that you have to get through. And sometimes you get through it together. But sadly, in this movie, um, they don't. Uh, Grace definitely has her place as far as um, being the person in very much control of her destiny in this movie. So I wanted to move into my closing thoughts about the movie. Um, and specifically Daniel, uh, who's Alex's brother, played by Adam Brody. Um, I think he is probably the my favorite and, quite frankly, the best supporting character of the entire movie, um, where he has a range of experiences, right? It's, it's all about Daniel's many choices and conflict throughout the movie. The movie opens with a younger Daniel and Alex running in the house during a hunt, and Daniel taking care of Alex, telling him to hide, telling him not to to look. And you make the connection later on in the movie that Daniel really cares about Alex. Daniel really cares about the family. Daniel really knows what's right and wrong. It's just the weight and the expectation of following along your family can be very hard and can be very heavy so much so that he uh, has to find other ways to kind of cope and allow these emotions to subside um during the hunt he's primarily drunk um i would be too in that situation uh, but you do get a sense that he is far more than just someone willing to go along with the tradition just because it's something they've done for forever um daniel's actually the one of the people that find Grace in the pool room, uh, in the study, when it happens in the movie, you're you're very fearful for Grace. You uh, you think that's it, but Daniel stops and says, "Oh, I found you. <laughs> I don't want to do this, but I have to turn you in." So he gives her a ten second head start to run away, a very generous ten seconds. And right there, it illustrates just how resistant Daniel is to all of this, to this act, to this ritual. Um, but Daniel still very much is part of this family. Um, later on in the movie, he finds Grace. They have a deeper conversation about really being a good person, wanting to let go of, of his family. But he doesn't. He knocks Grace out and takes her back to the house. It's less about him doing the right thing or him, in this case, doing the wrong thing, but more maintaining an image for the family. At this point, he truly doesn't believe there's any consequences to not completing the act of killing someone, of sacrifice. But he also knows that his dad is watching. And as much as as crazy as everything is, he still doesn't want to let him down. So he brings Grace back. And at this point, the movie's moving along very quickly, right? Um, another amazing compliment to the pacing of this movie. They go into the ritual sacrifice. Everyone drinks 
from a goblet and you find out that Daniel has poisoned everyone. Not a heavy poison, just just a light poison. Enough to rescue Grace and help her escape. And they have a conversation under under underneath a staircase about just being a good person and making the choice to do better. Um, he says, all I knew was at some point, somebody had to burn it down. Never thought it would be me. So he surprised himself. He knew he had it in him to do it. And he knows he's done a number of horrendous things for this family. And ultimately, it's not about saving grace to absolve yourself of all your past sins. You do have to live with them. You do have to suffer the consequences. But it's making that choice to do better because it's the right thing to do. And yet you can always strive to do better with the next choice, with the next step in life, with the next opportunity to do better. And I think that's kind of the the strongest aspect of what ties this movie together, right? Where uh, it's a movie of imperfect people, obviously. It's a movie of uh, absurdity and just very stringent beliefs on what it means to be a family, what it means to uh, marry into a family, what it means to just be in love, to have love for someone. This is not all that different from our our own reality and how and how we navigate family and how we learn to love. Like we're always gonna make mistakes and sometimes those mistakes are enormous, sometimes they're small, but it's how you make the choices to do better and having the self-awareness to stand up for what you know is wrong in a way that sometimes best fits um, your greater family unit sometimes doesn't. And in this case for Daniel, um, this was kind of the end of the line for him. He later gets shot by his wife. <laughs> but it, it, it really just adds layers to the film in the fact that, yes, it's a very fun murder house uh, satanic worship movie. And yet there are levels of morality to be gained and to attach to with this movie. I think that's what it's it's what gives the movie so much more depth than just being a murder house movie that I feel like does elevate the movie beyond just um an insane premise of uh, hunting people down for for the devil. Uh the final thing I want to say about this movie is uh Samara Weaving. Um I know I talked about her at the top, but I have to give it up to her. She played this character, played this role of Grace excellently. She was Absolutely, like, the star of the movie. Yes, she was very much a strong female lead. And she had agency um, as just a woman character. But again, paralleling the reality of trying to learn about a new family and navigating marrying into um, this empire of, of, of wealth. Yes, she strives to be accepted by the family, and she does have help occasionally here and there, but she ultimately gets herself out of all of the horrific situations she finds herself in. Um, I mean, by the end of the movie, she is up for sacrifice, she's being held down by every member of the family remaining, and she is the one that makes 
the final act of of distracting the aunt enough to get that inch of space so the dagger doesn't come down on her head. Um, it gets her in the arm, but that's the window that she needs to free herself from the situation. And I, I want to celebrate the creators for giving her this platform and just giving the audience this ability to see a female lead who is complimented by the male lead, the, the male actors, complimented by the setting and the story. She's not a damsel in distress. She actually goes through a ton of distress on her own and gets herself out of it. And I really want to make that um, kind of the highlight of the entire movie, right? Where, yes, uh, there definitely is a sense of patriarchal power, right? In, in this movie where it's very much about um, the legacy of the great, the great, great grandfather and the legacy being handed down from the male line of the, of the family. But it's really just her finding her way into a very, uh, very tumultuous situation and finding herself out. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what we, that's where I kind of want to end things. Um, that she, uh, Samara weaving grace at the end of the movie saves herself that's a wrap on 2019's ready or not please subscribe on youtube follow on spotify or find us on your preferred podcast platform follow me on instagram at the film cafe podcast thanks for joining us for this game of hide and seek this has been the film cafe podcast